Girlfriends, episode number 227, Catholic Faith and Hope When Facing Infertility, with Deborah Vermeer. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking with author Deborah Vermeer from all the way in Australia about a Catholic face of infertility. Can't wait to take on this important topic with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? I hope that you are doing well. I am working a little bit ahead. So looking into the future, I'm hopeful that in a couple of weeks when this show publishes, we'll be in a different place as a country. Things have been very unsettled and disturbing to watch the news. I've been unsure what exactly is our role. And that's part of what we talked about last week, right? When you were talking about the ways in which God calls us to mission, to do his work on earth, and the fact that we are born in such a time as this is not an accident. We're we're called to live in the world that God has placed us in. He has a special mission, a unique mission for you and for me inside of our unique circumstances. But just know that I am praying for you and I am praying for our world. I'm praying for those who suffer injustice and praying for peace and an end to division, asking for God to bless our nation, bless our world with peace and unity. I know we won't ever have that with perfection here on earth, but I think we could have it in a much greater capacity than we're currently experiencing. So If you're struggling with these things, if you're struggling with your place in the world and figuring out exactly what we can do in the face of evil and injustice, violence, and the the kinds of division that we face every day, even just when you open up your Facebook page, know that I am praying for you. I always pray for the audience of the Girlfriends podcast, and I'm praying in a special way for our community here of girlfriends, that we will know our place, that we will know the ways in which God is calling us to make a difference, to reach out to people who need us inside of our own worlds. And that might be beginning in very small ways in your own home, in your own community, in your own family, in your own neighborhood, in your kids' schools, in your church, very locally. I think there's very little that any of us can tweet or put on Facebook or Instagram that's going to make a significant difference in the face of such large and complex issues, such heartbreaking things. But know that I'm praying for you to know exactly what God's plan is for you and praying that you will have the grace to respond with yes, even if it might take you outside of your comfort zone. But in the face of all that, um, I had the opportunity to recently sit down and talk with not in person because she's all the way over in Australia, author Deborah Vermeer, who's written about infertility, her own experience, but also sharing the experiences of other Catholic couples who've experienced infertility. And I really was grateful for the chance to talk with her because infertility is one of those topics that comes up perennially. And people ask me to take on topics a lot of the times on Girlfriends. And um, that one falls into the category of things that I feel like I can't I can't really share a whole show with just me about that. I haven't experienced that in the ways that other people have. So I don't feel like I have 
anything to offer. Um, and yet I can offer my platform to other people who have had that experience in ways that are very personal and that they can share their personal experiences in ways that can be encouraging to others who are experiencing this. So this is a very important topic inside of the church today. It's a controversial one because there are ways that our world would tell us to deal with infertility that our church tells us we should not, right? And um, it's sometimes a hidden hidden problem that couples face and they they suffer because of judgment of other people sometimes, even inside of our church. And that just breaks my heart. So today I wanted to take on this topic in the same way that I've wanted to take on other topics that sometimes I'll get an email from somebody who's really suffering in a particular situation and ask me to talk about it on Girlfriends. And I don't feel like I can do that uh, because I haven't experienced it because I don't have much to offer on that particular topic. But that doesn't mean it's not a valid topic. Um, so if ever there's something that you want me to take on here on Girlfriends and, and I haven't done it or I'm reluctant to do it, know that I'm always willing to share this platform with people who do have something to offer on these topics, who can share from personal experience in a way that's going to be helpful. So if you are suffering from infertility or if you, like everybody, know and love somebody who suffers from infertility, whether um, secondary infertility inside of your marriage or other, you know, um, other forms of infertility or subfertility, know that this is a topic that um, I recognize is a deeply painful one. And I know that there, um, there are resources out there available inside of the church, but as Deborah points out in a conversation I'm going to share with you in just a moment here, there aren't a ton so I think the conversation that Deborah is hoping to start with this book that she's written and by doing things like coming on the podcast is a really important one. And I hope that you will reach out to me, reach out to her. Uh, her contact information is going to be available in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Reach out to her and let her know. Maybe share your story. I would love to hear from you too. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. But now without delaying any further, I want to share this conversation that I had with Deborah. She's absolutely lovely. And I know you're going to appreciate all that she has to share. Take a listen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this exciting episode, transnational, is that what you say? Intercontinental episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I've got a special guest. Deborah Vermeer is joining me today. Deborah is a journalist who runs a freelance media and communications business, working predominantly in the Catholic media. Previously, Deborah worked for newspapers and the National Newswire Agency, including a period covering national politics. Now, this is in Australia. She was the communications officer for the Australian Catholic Bishops Conference from 2002 to 2009. Deborah was received into the Catholic Church in 1999, is a Benedictine oblate of Jamboree Abbey, and holds a Bachelor of Theology. She's married with two adult stepchildren, and her book that we're going to be talking about today is called Life to the Full, Stories of Infertility, Faith, and a Hope-Filled Future. Welcome to Girlfriends, Deborah. I'm so thrilled that you're here. Oh, thank you, Danielle. I'm so thrilled to be here. I've been a long-time listener of uh, Girlfriends, and so I'm just thrilled to, to be here talking with you. Awesome. I, and I love that we're able to do this through the magic of Skype. So I'm, I'm recording. I just got dinner served here at our house. So it's dinner time. And then I raced upstairs to do this. And um, Deborah is a first thing in the morning there in Australia. But this is how we make things work here at Girlfriends. Um, so Deborah, you're a convert to the faith. So in uh, 99, maybe just to get us started and you're in in, in your journey, in your life story, maybe share with us a little bit about your experience of infertility, 
um, as a Catholic in particular. And what made you take on this topic in a book? Okay, I might start at the uh, end of your question, if I can. What sure. made me take on um, the the topic uh, in a book was that when I was going through the kind of the depths of my journey um, with infertility, or our journey, of course, it's a couple's <laughs> a couple's thing mm-hmm. uh, with infertility. Um, I I looked in bookshops uh, and on the internet for um, just something that would be spiritually nurturing or helpful or supportive um, in this uh, area. And I could find nothing, you know, there just really wasn't anything. Um, And uh, so that, you know, that was disappointing to me. Um, And I am a journalist by background. And so it just, you know, pretty soon in that, uh, after that sort of situation (laughs) occurred to me that there wasn't much around, Mm -hmm. I started to hear God maybe whispering in the, you know, the back of my mind that, um, you know, you have the skills and the background. You could do this. You could, you mm-hmm. could help uh, in this area by um, by putting a book together. So, but uh, but having said that, it was a long journey. Um, I, I like to call it a gestation uh, because <laughs> that's very that right. Yeah, it felt that way. It was. Um, if I'd have written it back then, when I was in the depths of you know the, the sadness of the journey, um, it wouldn't have been a, a good book. You know, it would have been mm-hmm. um, more therapy for me than. Um, Right. So I had to uh, work through the the whole uh, thing myself and get to a, a position where I could be a bit reflective, you know, um, mm-hmm. about it. And uh, so that was about a ten year journey uh, between, you know, um, that that situation of finding uh, no books around and then being able to write one myself. So right, yeah. right. So th- this is not just your story in the book. It's multiple, no. multiple experiences that are shared in the book. So really it's you using your journalistic background, right? And yeah. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> collecting these stories and giving voice to all of these different people's experiences. Um, where did you find the people whose stories you share in the book? God sent them to me really? <laughs> in, the most, in the most amazing way sometimes. Yeah. So there were some that I knew there was some in some in that uh, collection. So there's six other couples and our own story in the book. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew some of them and others just absolutely appeared, um, you know, in amazing ways. Um, maybe I might mention to somebody that I, I was looking to do this book and they'd go, you know, I know of someone who would be really interesting, you know, with that. And right. they, they just came to me in, in that way. So I thank God for that. Yeah. Right. Now, so we, we've alluded to your own story, your history of infertility. Maybe you can take us back to when you first were married, when you first discovered this was going to be a cross that you were going to bear inside of your married relationship. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. So our situation was probably somewhat unusual in that um, I became aware that we had an infertility problem on our second date. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, you know, probably not many people on their second date chat about fertility no, issues. right. Oh, <laughs> tell me about that. But uh, we had um, known each other uh, through work in the previous job that I had Um in a big media company. Mm-hmm. And um, when we, um, after I left that company and after we got together, um, uh, so, uh, sorry, I need to probably take a step back. My, my husband um, now, um, he was a widower when we met mm-hmm. and he had uh, two teenagers at the time. Um, and so uh, on our second date, and I mean, I really fell hard in love. I'm not someone that had had a lot. I, I didn't do a lot of dating. I was 32 when we met. Oh, well, sorry, when we got together. Um, 
and you know I I had not um, had a lot of boyfriends or you know done a lot of dating and so I fell hard when <laughs> we met I was very much in love very quickly uh-huh. um, thankfully so was he um, so that was good um, right. so on the second date um, we we were just talking you know we were it was a uh, we met for breakfast out somewhere and I was you know we were just talking and we were talking about the future and um, he was telling me that he had told um, his two kids, Cass and Zach, about us and that it had gone well as a conversation. And so we were just excited. You know, I was looking forward to meeting them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, um, do you want to have, you know, babies? And I said, well, sure. Yeah, maybe a few, you know. Yeah, right. What about you? And um, he you know, he looked away and then he looked back at me and he just looked profoundly sad. And I knew, you know, my stomach kind of contracted and I sort of knew something was coming. And um, he said that um, he had had a vasectomy um, after um, their last uh, child. Um, But he reached across uh, and grabbed my hand at at the coffee table and and said, but don't worry, I'll have it reversed. So, And this was on your second date? Second day, yeah. Wow, yeah. you guys, yeah. you guys went right yeah. to the tough stuff. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. So um, Tony wasn't Catholic. He he rather romantically on the night that he proposed to me, which was only seven weeks later after the, after wow. you know this, um, he said he wanted to become Catholic um, uh, before we were married, um, and he also wanted to have the vasectomy reversed before we were married, uh, as he grew in understanding um, around that issue. Um, yeah. He wanted to be able to go to our marriage, uh, you know, uh, ceremony with an open heart. Um, you know, when they asked the questions about will you be willing to have children, he really wanted uh, to be able to say yes. So, yeah, that was our story. So it sort of was um, right back from the beginning and um, it was a big thing early in a relationship. You know, I did um, think of it. I, I, I was living in Canberra, the national capital at that time. And uh, he was in Sydney. And on this date, this second date, when he had told me I was in Sydney with him um, uh, for a work, uh, I was in Sydney for a work um, thing. And what that work uh, assignment was that day was um, to take in a previewing of Mel Gibson's The Passion of Christ. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, When it was coming out. And uh, so directly from that conversation that we might, you know, my, my future of having babies might not, might not be happening as easily as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, I went and sat for two hours and, you know, went through the passion uh, <laughs> in that, you know, you'll remember that movie. It was very full on. No, and very, right. Yeah. So, it's a life-changing so, experience watching that movie for sure. It was, but when I look back on it, you know, it, it was kind of providential. It gave me a real context um, for, suffering you know and 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 knowing that god you know brings good out of out of even the ultimate uh suffering so it did give me a framework you know we you know it was full on at the time i remember i came out of that movie uh screening and it wasn't even noon yet in the day you know and oh i thought goodness. gosh you know i've, <laughs> I've lived through a lifetime here <laughs> i've lived through a lifetime yeah it was a big day but that afternoon or shortly after that i um I got a taxi into, right into the centre of Sydney and mm-hmm. I went into St Mary's Cathedral, um, which is a big, beautiful Gothic cathedral. And uh, it was a hot summer day and I went into the cool 
you know, dark, cavernous cathedral. And I just spent a long time there uh, on, mm. on my knees with Jesus, um, praying about that. And when I came out, you know, I, I was pretty clear that while that was important news, you know, I was in, I was in for whatever happened with Tony. Right. Um, you were all in already. I was all I, that's so. beautiful. That's beautiful. In a, you know, in a way, it's a, a unique way that you're you're you were called from the very beginning to be making a gift of yourself to your spouse and you know yeah. giving up and sacrificing. A beautiful example of what we do in marriage. Um, sure. So yeah. talking about infertility as a Catholic is a unique thing, right? Because um, I know you've referenced this in some of your work, talking about IVF, which is what you know, our modern culture will tell us that's, that's your answer, right? Like just do that. And so in our church teaches us otherwise, and it's, that's a difficult teaching. That is a hard teaching for many people to come to terms with, to understand. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience of, um, you know, understanding that, that element of church teaching, especially in, in a way that so profoundly affects you inside of your marriage and your personal life. Mm, sure. Um, that was a teaching that, as a convert, uh, you know, took me quite a bit of understanding. Um, sure. But when I, you know, I, I've I've always found as a convert that um, when when I come across a teaching that at first seems, you know, uh, difficult or challenging, uh, just to spend some time with it and, and look uh, at the the reading around it and what yep. the church actually teaches on it. So I did that around this issue and. Fairly quickly, uh, you know, I came to um, uh, fully assent to what what that teaching was about. Um, that uh, you know, keeping that integrity uh, between um, the the married act and and procreation, and also that um, issue around uh, the the d- destruction of the frozen embryos that happens yes. in the IVF process. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, I I came to that fairly quickly, and and so did Tony when he. Uh, looked into it. So thankfully, I think um, it was never a big thing for, for us. We we, okay. we just sort of never considered it because we, we fully assented to um, to that teaching. So it wasn't a struggle and it wasn't a pull. You know, we, I, I never, I feel blessed really that I never had that sense of, oh, we could do it if we, you know, right. we just did that, we might end up. Yeah, no, it was, it was not something. But having said that, um, yeah, it, it is straight. As you say, it is the go-to answer um, for people. And so we did find a strange amount of opposition to our decision on that. Mm. Um, did you, yeah, from uh, family or um, friends? Uh, family and friends. Uh, my, yeah, friends, I think, didn't didn't understand it. Some friends, uh, many, many did, but um, some didn't. But interestingly, the medical community were, you know, it was, it was very difficult to go to a doctor about any of your issues around uh, infertility mm-hmm. uh, without, uh, without them kind of getting a little bit hot under the collar about it with you. You know, they were like, you, you, you should do this. You, you can right. do this. Right. We had one doctor tell us that, um, you know, that, that what, that wasn't the Catholic teaching, you know, what we were proposing. Oh, and I'm like, no, I'm kind of sure it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we found that strange. And, yeah, some people um, could even be hostile to your decision, particularly if uh, perhaps they themselves had undertaken IVF. Yes. And they may have felt some sense of judgment in our decision, which, of course, there was none. Um, right. Uh, 
that their decision is their decision. Um, so I never felt judgy towards others about it. Uh, it was just our decision, you know. And and the couples in this book um, all uh, were comfortable and took the same decision in faith um, not to not to pursue those things, uh, and had some of the some similar experiences. Uh, it has to be said, yeah. 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 So that's, that's a tricky one. And I know it it is hard for people, um, especially friends and family that might see that you're, you're suffering enormously because of this and yet refusing to take what they see as the obvious fix. Right. So I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I think some of the confusion and even hostility around it didn't come from a, you know, antagonistic place. It came from that. They love you. They love you and they, they could see a solution for you um, that you weren't taking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I can, I can certainly see that. And I've seen that among, um, you know, friends and, and people that I know in my life that have experienced similar things that sometimes that there is that temptation there, even among people who are not the couple to be like, just do the easy solution, take the easy way, because we want this good thing for you. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to want a, a child. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe talking about that, the idea that, of course, we're, you know, the church teaches that are in marriage, we're, we're called to be fruitful, right? It's right there in Genesis. Yeah. We're called to be fruitful. Yeah, right there at the beginning. <laughs> yes. So, um, but there are many ways that we're called to fruitfulness and sometimes they aren't the ways that we thought at all. Um, what's been your experience of that? Well, that's true. And, um, as you were saying, you know, to, to want a baby is a good, you know, it's a good thing. Um, and and so there is, um, you know, when you're going through that journey, of course, there is, you know, some confusion around that. You're, you're like, God, you know, I'm, I'm after something good here, you know. Right. Um, uh, so as you say, we are called to fruitfulness um, in our marriage. The usual way that that fruitfulness um uh, manifests itself is that the love of the couple overflows into uh, procreation and love, love for for babies and for children. Um, for us and for the couples in the book, uh, that hasn't, you know, we haven't <laughs> been able to access that usual path. Mm-hmm. Um, but married love is married love, you know, and 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 love will overflow. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. That's the, that's how love works, right? It multiplies. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the sense of be fruitful and multiply, the couples in this book have found different ways um, and, and gone different paths, which is why, you know, I wanted to interview different people because there are so many different um, responses to infertility and, and ways to be fruitful that I, I did want to get a little sample of, of, the, of different ways. So some have uh, adopted um, and some have adopted locally. Uh, another couple adopted overseas. Um from uh, South Korea, um, uh, one couple uh, have adopted special needs kids, kids with special needs, um, which is a beautiful story. Um, and others um, have, you know, found fruitfulness in their work. Um, some, uh, like me, uh, sort of work in church, and so uh, have found fruitfulness in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, also in uh, I guess things inside church life, they've found a certain fruitfulness. So one couple um, are engaged in a, a marriage mentoring program and okay. they just love that. They just feel that that brings a fruitfulness, you know, to their life. Um, I think pretty much all of us felt a sense of um, uh, uh, hospitality that overflowed, you know, our, our, we, we were able 
I mean, one of the blessings, uh, it, it's hard sometimes to talk of blessings of being right. infertile, but of course there are, God gives us blessings, you know, if, if yes. all the time, um, it just maybe not in the way, this particular way we had hoped, but all the time God's giving us blessings. And one of the blessings uh, that, that he gives is in couples who struggle with infertility is the gift of time. You know, we don't, we're simply not as, um, you know, uh, harried and um, right. busy as as parents of young children. Uh, so we have time to do things, um, whether it might be charitable works or, you know, uh, special special care of family or members or uh, friends or things right. like that. So, yeah, it's been, that took me a while to get to actually to be able to identify that um, sure. the, the blessings uh, that can come through. Right. Because that's such a deeply painful thing. And I think infertility in particular is unique in that it's seen, you know, recognized universally as a good thing to, to want a child, right. And a natural end of your married relationship. And, and, and you can, you can look everywhere and just see, you know, even very unfortunate circumstances. Like why, why is God giving a baby to that person? Right. When we're desperate, desperately trying to bring a baby into our, our loving family here, you know, and, um, I, I, I can certainly understand how that would be a difficult thing for you to come to terms with, but, um, especially fertility, I find in all aspects of fertility is something that, we women in particular, men too, but women in particular, it's so, it so deeply affects us. It's such a, such a core part of our identity that it's really hard to turn that over to God, whether it's turning over to God, I might become pregnant when I don't really necessarily want to be planning to, right. Or turning over to God, I'm not going to have a baby right now. God's saying no to that right now. Allowing him to be in charge of that part of our lives is such a scary move to make. Is has that been your experience as well as in the stories that you share in the book? Yeah, definitely. As you say, um, fertility, particularly for women, is just so tied up with our very self, our very body. You know, our, every every right. you know, we're geared, geared to um, to fertility. So yeah, during that um, period. So Tony did have his vasectomy reversed, and we did um, uh, hope, yeah, for a period that that it would have yeah. been successful. Uh, as a side note, the reversals are not often very successful. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, there was hope. We we, we had hope, mm-hmm. um, and so I did go through that um, real roller coaster every month. You know, of mm-hmm. uh, just like just hoping, and then the hope being dashed every month. And of course, as you get older, um, that clock, you know, the the body clock, um, it kicks in in a really kind of a full on fashion, you start to, um, you know, really um, observe those, uh, you know, um, signs of uh, ovulation and things like that um, begin to kind of overtake <laughs> your, yeah. your monthly calendar um, and you're very tied in with it. So uh, it, yeah, I found that kind of harrowing during that period that up and down every month. Up right. And down. And when you're going through that, um, I, I think that it might be helpful for you to speak to this this idea of like what 
what should people say to a couple that's experiencing that? Or what should you absolutely not say? I mean, I'm sure that you heard all kinds of things from friends and family and beyond. And I've heard some awful stories uh, myself of hurtful things that people have said, not necessarily meaning to, but um, sometimes because we're not sure what to say, people end up saying something dumb or hurtful. What advice do you have for for people who might have a, a friend or a close relative that's dealing with this? You know, I, I would just um, <laughs> go back to the real basics and just ask people, how are you going? How, you know, how are you mm-hmm. with this? You know, how are things? Um, and then take the lead really from, mm-hmm. from the, the person in the situation. Um, we had a lot of um, well-meaning people in the church community, of course, particularly um, who sent <laughs> many, many novenas and different things Um to us and of course we prayed them all you know it was great great. um but at a certain point it does start to feel like sometimes uh people are suggesting that you're not praying enough or you're not praying well enough or in some way your faith is deficient um Mm -hmm. uh, that if only you were doing this certain prayer or that certain way god would be listening um uh, oh, I request. see. Yeah, I've never thought of that. That's a really good point to make. What, whatever somebody's <laughs> struggling with, I think, you know, hitting them up with novenas nonstop, it, it can send that <laughs> message, right? Like, just try a little harder, yeah. right? Yeah, just try a little harder, you know, with, with that faith of yours. Yeah. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, and then it doesn't help that in the in the Bible itself, there are so many stories of women suffering infertility, women who are blessed with a baby far in their advanced years. Um, and and I think inside of those, you know, of course, I, I've, I've written whole books about these stories of women, especially in the Old Testament, struggling with infertility and that kind of core cross that many women in the Bible seem to suffer and what that means for us today. But how how do you read those stories? Did you ever struggle with those those? You, coming to terms with those stories like what what does that mean that that god would bless certain women at some times and and withhold a child at other times um what's been your experience of those bible stories yeah danielle that for me that was a um <laughs> quite a stumbling block for a while mm-hmm. um i can understand uh, that completely <laughs> yeah so you know as christians we turn to the bible to um uh, help our find our way through through life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that. And of course, as you rightly point out, infertility is actually no stranger to the pages of the Bible. It, it, right. it is present throughout. And um, in almost all of the, the cases, uh, it, it is a, a case that uh, in the end, God heard their plea and and um, in reward for their faith, um, uh, blessed them with a child. And so that was really hard um, to, for me to fathom for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, is our faith not enough? I was asking, you know, how are we not, right. are we not being faithful enough? You know? Um, and uh, I did ask a lot of those questions. Thankfully, um, having worked in church uh, media and communications uh, for a long time, I have access, you know, to um, a, a lot of uh, you know, theologians and bishops and mm-hmm. people that I could talk to um, at this level, you know, at this kind of intimate right. level, which, which was helpful to me. Um, and, of course, I, I had my own studies in theology too, but sometimes when you're in the, um, uh, you know, in the midst of something, your, your own studies yeah. are not uh, not that helpful. So it was mm-hmm. good to be able to ask other people. Um, and 
probably some of the best advice, two pieces of, of advice I got. Um, one was to remember the context, the historical context in which those um, the stories were written, you know, and mm-hmm. that, you know, it was important for the Israelites, um, at this small little band <laughs> of people um, in the, surrounded by powerful, uh, you know, other powers. Um, mm-hmm. It was important for them to um, be fruitful and multiply, right? They, right. they it was important for their survival. So, um, so that was one one thing to remember about why it was kind of such a theme. Right. Um, the other uh, good advice I got was whenever we come across um, passages in the Bible like this that we're reading through our own experience and lens, and it's and it's somehow a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful to step back and to read those uh, in the bigger context of the whole salvation story. And say, well, what is God telling us in the in the context of that whole salvation story? And um, you know, so in 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 this case, um, these are these stories of infertility and then blessing, and 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 fertility, um, are telling us the whole. You know, are, are giving us a, a little insight into God's um, saving love. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 God. Um, in the beginning, um, s- sort of brought uh, order out of chaos, and since then he has, you know, brought slaves out of Egypt, babies out of barren wombs, and 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 life from the cross, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and so, um, you know, it, they're they're just a little um, sort of microcosm of that greater work of God um, in in salvation right. history. Wow. And that helped me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I think that's yeah. that's a really, really inspiring way of looking at it. Um, and of course, there's all the beautiful teachings inside of the church. And this is something we love to focus on here at Girlfriends is um, that the teachings, especially of St. John Paul II about spiritual motherhood. And for a long time, you know, being a, a mother of a large family myself, I felt like I don't want to preach to to women who are who are struggling with infertility about how great spiritual motherhood is, right? Because in, in some ways it feels like okay, yeah, but you you can be a spiritual mother, right? Like I, I can I can see how that might be interpreted as something hurtful or less than. But if you truly understand what that teaching is, it's such a beautiful call that every woman has and responds to in a unique way. Um, are are you a fan of St. John Paul II? And have you done much much in your in your theological studies, um, looking at or, or thinking about or talking about spiritual motherhood in particular? Yeah, of course, uh, a fan of John Paul II. Yeah, I was I was blessed to meet him twice. And so no I'm, way! Oh, that's so great. Yeah, so um, uh, I have a special spot in my heart for him, and of course his teachings, especially in this area. Of course, the theology mm-hmm. of the body. And um, uh, married love is, uh, you know, <laughs> second to none. So, right. uh, yeah, I've looked at that a, a lot. And, um, uh, in fact, I've looked at all the, uh, of the church's teachings around this, even in the catechism, you know. Um, and the catechism talks about, um, you know, children being the, the crowning glory of uh, marriage and that uh, mm which we understand, of course, that that is true. Um, but then it also talks about um, that, you know, marriages that uh, can't, uh, you know, uh, have children um, are, are still able to uh, radiate uh, love and, and radiate fruitfulness. And 
I found that just the first time I read that, I was really pulled up by it. You know, I thought, wow, that that in this wounded situation, and 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 no doubt uh, through our wounds, you know, um, we can still, as a married couple, radiate um, love and fruitfulness, and um, that helped me to reframe. Uh, the argument a bit. Having said that, it has to be said that in the great volume of church teaching um, around uh, married love, there is not a lot on infertility. And, you know, I I kind of hope, (laughs) I hope this little book will be some little conversation starter towards some people, um, you know, greater thinkers than I probably uh, in the church, you know, being able to um, to do a little bit more uh, theological thinking and conversation around this topic because there's just not a lot there for couples to really go and hang their hat on. Right, know? right. So what a beautiful contribution you're, you are making through sharing these stories, through sharing your own story, but then also sharing the stories of the other couples in the book with their various experiences for other people who are, who are suffering that. Because, I mean, we all know if we haven't experienced infertility ourselves, we all know and love people who've experienced it. It's not like it's a terribly uncommon thing. Um, so I think it's, yeah, right. It's about, right. In Australia, there's about one in six couples will experience it. And I think in the US, the last figures I saw were, and they might not be current, but they were about one in 10. So, you know, it's right. quite, if we look out uh, into a, you know, a parish congregation, mm-hmm. which we can't at the moment, but we used to be able to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, there's going to be, a, based on those statistics, there's going to be a few couples in the pews, um, right. uh, given mass, who are, who are um, struggling with that. Right. And so much to be gained by having these kinds of conversations. So um, before we have to wrap up, Deborah, what uh, there might be somebody listening who is struggling, who's just beginning to struggle with this or just beginning to come to terms with their own experience of infertility, um, either at the start of their marriage or a secondary infertility. And what what might you say to somebody? Because, you know, I, I love the I love the second line of your book where it's stories of infertility, faith and a hope filled future. What how can we inspire people who are really, this is a, a terrible thing they're suffering. It's a real wound, a real cross that they're bearing, but how can we help to inspire hope? What what might you say to somebody who's right in the midst of that right now? Yeah. So my guiding light in writing this book was that it be a book of hope. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I, that that's what I kept in the forefront, you know, of my mind uh, always and, and my prayer as I wrote this book. Um, there was a lot of prayer went into this book. Um, in fact, I had a, had some spiritual, you know, I had a spiritual uh, advisor at one point who said to me, "This is a book that has to be prayed, not written." <laughs> and, oh uh, wow! And uh, that was certainly true. And so I hope that the hope, um, you know, comes across to people as they read the different stories of these uh, couples that. I hope that they can identify their suffering in the couple's suffering, which I'm sure, you know, in aspects they will. And then I hope that they can um, begin as they read these stories to just see some paths forward. You know, when you are in the middle of infertility, it's very hard to reimagine how your life might be. You've always thought you would have kids, you know, um, and that when you got married, you would have kids. Um, and so it's quite hard to reimagine how how your life might be. And so I hope that through this book and through the various stories in it, um, they'll just 
be able to identify some kinds of paths forward that they might be able to um, pursue themselves um, mm-hmm. and also, um, you know, open themselves up to, to God's will there so that God can reimagine for us, you know, how our life would be. He, you know, he, he's already imagining how our life is. So um, right. um, sort of tapping into that. I think the couples in the book, um, uh, many of them anyway, came to that point of, you know, Jesus in the garden um, sort of praying, um, not, not you know, if the cup could pass, yes, but right. um, but not my will but yours be done. And and in that they found a freedom, you know, um, rather than uh, always fronting up to, to God with the, you know, the desperate sort of uh, shopping list of uh, what we what we want um god knows what we want obviously and and, right. and it's good to ask for, for what we want yeah. but um but then to be able to have the courage to step out um uh, and in faith and say to god okay you know where are we going what right. <laughs> life and adventure where are we headed you know yes so. that's the lifelong challenge right yeah um, yeah for sure experienced in an acute way for couples experiencing infertility, but ultimately that's what, you know, that's the, that's what we all struggle with that turning over our, our trust to God, not, not my way, not my will, but accepting what God's plan is for your life. Well, yeah. Deborah, everyone I, has I wanted, suffering. Oh, sorry, Danielle. I was just gonna say everyone has suffering and this is our particular yes. suffering. Okay? Um, mm-hmm. So it, whoever's, we're all engaged in suffering in, in one way or another at one time or another. And um, so mm-hmm. these, uh, the ability to open ourselves to God's will is, um, you know, uh, right. uh, as you say, a story for all of us. Yeah. Right, exactly. So beautiful and inspiring stories for anybody, especially for somebody who might be struggling with infertility, but for anybody for who is suffering from the human condition, which is yes. wanting our will over the will of God and struggling to trust him inside of some of those those most intimate things that we want and some of the most beautiful gifts that we are longing for in our lives. So beautiful book, a beautiful sort of um, collection of stories from people from different walks of life, all experiencing a, a similar trial. Um, so beautiful way to kind of reflect on those things. And so this book would be a real support to somebody who's going through infertility. And I'm sure there are people listening, they're thinking, oh, I want I want this resource for me, for a friend, for someone I know to put it in my parish library. What, what's the best way for people, Deborah, to find out more about the book and uh, get their own copy? Yeah, so um, probably, um, so it's published by St. Paul's Publications in Australia, and so they're at um, Mm -hmm. stpauls.com.au, so that would be a good place to go, Um, and, you know, it's it's available um, both as a book book, um, but um, it occurs to me that right at the moment in the COVID uh, situation, um, there are some problems, of course, with slow mail and that kind of thing around the world. So it's also available as an ebook if that's easier. For okay. People. And that's at that uh, same website. It, it, it you can get through there. There's links uh, on that website to it, but it, if you it, it's on Amazon or Apple. So um, Okay, great. It, it, well, we'll definitely link that in the show notes so people can check it out for themselves and uh, get their own copy. Again, the book is called Life to the Full: Stories of Infertility, Faith, and a Hope-Filled Future. Deborah Vermeer, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about this heartfelt important topic here on Girlfriends. Oh, thank you, Danielle. I'm, I've been delighted to have, uh, you know, been uh, talking with you and with your listeners. So thank you.
Yeah, thrilled to have you. And um, you're always welcome back here. So when you write your next book, we'll have you back (laughs) on for sure. (laughs) Fabulous. I look forward to it. So my guest has been Deborah Vermeer. Again, the title of the book is Life to the Full, Stories of Infertility, Faith, and a Hope-Filled Future. We'll have that all linked up in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. If you want those show notes sent directly to your inbox, text the word girlfriends to 33777. We'll get you subscribed to receive those. Then you can get Deborah's book and you won't miss any of the great links that we share here at Girlfriends. Coming up, we've got some more of the show for you, but first we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I usually share some listener feedback. Um, This week, I'm not going to read any particular email, but I've gotten a number of emails about people inquiring about the possibility of virtual retreats. I heard from Trisha on Facebook asking me about my speaking schedule for the fall. Um, So I know this is something that's on people's minds, and it's something that's very much in flux. So um, I'll just give you all an update because I usually share with you about the different places where I'm having retreats or speaking at conferences, and I'm going to hold off on sharing Uh, my particular dates and places for the fall, because I'm not sure they're going to happen. I don't know. So um, once I'm confirmed, and I'm fairly sure they're going to happen, I'll start sharing them with you here on the show again. But uh, know that I do have a number of dates lined up for the fall and beyond. And I'm hoping and praying that those things are going to happen. Uh, Both my You're Worth It and You Are Enough retreats, speaking at a few different conferences. Um, I'm really hopeful that those things are going to take place, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say what's going to happen, you know, next week, next month, or uh, three or four months from now. So um, I'll keep you up to date on that. But in the meantime, other people have asked about the possibility of virtual retreats, and that is a great option right now. It's also much more affordable than flying me out to your parish. So if you've hesitated to have me come out to your parish because of um, small budgets or not being sure about how to get together the funds to be able to do it, this is a great option for you to consider. And I'm happy to offer both my You're Worth It and You Are Enough retreat in miniature form. They're shorter because you know what? When we do things virtually, we have a much shorter um, endurance level for staring at screens, right? It's not the same as being at an event in person. So um, I have shortened versions of each of those retreats, both You Are Enough and You're Worth It. You Are Enough based on stories of women in the Old Testament that I share and talk about inside of my book, You Are Enough, and You're Worth It, which is based on themes of stories of women in the New Testament based on my book, You're Worth It. If you want more information about that, you can go to daniellebean.com 
slash retreats. There's a form there that you can fill out to get more information about getting those virtual retreats brought to your community. And I'm happy to offer those and happy to be flexible about the ways in which we offer them. This is a unique time that we are all living through. And I think we all need to be flexible in looking for new ways for us to connect, build community. It's not going to be the same as getting together in person, but it is a nice alternative to those kinds of things. So if you're on a planning committee in your church, or if you just want to suggest this to someone who is at your church, go to daniellebean.com slash retreats, and you'll see information about the virtual retreats there. And then if you scroll down the page, there's information about the in-person retreats too. If you're planning out in the spring, hey, let's be hopeful that these things are going to just be happening in a regular way at that point. So I'd be glad to talk with you about that. Again, go to daniellebean.com slash retreats. And that's all the time we have for today. But I want to thank Deborah for being a part of today's show, for being vulnerable, open and honest and generous in the way that she shares her personal story with all of us here at Girlfriends. I want to remind you that if you are listening, you have been prayed for and I'm going to be praying for you in the coming week. If there are specific ways that I can pray for you, I would be glad to take your particular prayer requests. You can reach me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Also, you can reach me at that email if there are certain topics or themes you'd like me to talk about here here on Girlfriends. I would love for the podcast to be truly meeting your needs, truly being a source of encouragement and support for you. And the best way I can do that is if you let me know what you need. Let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what you're wondering about. Let me know what's causing you pain or anxiety or what you're joyful about or what your particular challenges are right now. I would love to be able to be a real source of support to you in all of those things. And finally, one really great way that we can connect outside of the podcast is our Facebook group that is exclusive to members of the listening community of Girlfriends. So if you listen to the podcast, you qualify, you can be a part of this private Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. I know that's a big URL. If you can't remember all of that, go to ascensionpress.com. That link is always in the show notes to every episode of the Girlfriends podcast. If you can't even remember to go to ascensionpress.com, don't worry, we've got you covered. Text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will be automatically subscribed through your email to get the show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends podcast delivered to your inbox. Bonus, you won't ever miss a show and we'll always be connected in that way. So text the word girlfriends to 33777. I want to thank you for being a part of today's show. If you listen to the Girlfriends podcast, you are a valued and important member of the Girlfriends community. I'm so grateful for your presence here. It is so encouraging for me. I'm so grateful for the fact that you show up and take in what I share week after week. So thank you for that. Thank you for that encouragement. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension the leader in Catholic faith formation. 